Anyway, a year, we are embarking on a year of devotion, and it's exciting, I think, what God is going to do in the church. I, for you, I think it's probably even more exciting for what God has planned for each and every, every one of us, and that includes you. No one is outside of God's plan, and it's, and it's a good plan. Hey, the first of the year, I believe the first year is always a great time to take inventory of your life. Is it not? It's always like a, a fresh start, a new beginning. We, we, we take inventory of a life. Hey, what, what, where is my life going? In what direction am I taking myself, so to speak? What do I need to do new or different in this new year? What, what, what is God speaking to me this year? Hey, what, what, what do I think about this Bible? Is it going to be important to me? These are thoughts that I think at the beginning of the year, are, are, it's a great time to think about it because the beginning of the year is just a, it's a built-in fresh start where we can think to ourselves, is my life going in a direction that God would want it to go? Is my life all that it can be? Am I living according to God's word and what God's plan is for my life? And I'm a believer that there's always some adjustments that need to be made. There always needs to be tweaks in our lives. You're never going to get to the area where it's, hey, man, I'm, my life is good. I'm just perfect. I'm settled, right? I'm, this may be news to you, but, but in your life, in any year of your life, your, your marriage, your career, your spiritual walk, you are either moving forward or you're moving backwards. There are, there are very few times in life where you're just status quo. You may be for a glimpse of time, but that status quo is, a, is real quickly either going to go forward or backward. Right? Just, just think of, I, I, this is the example that comes to my mind. Like, like, have you ever tried to maintain your weight? Right? <laughs> and I know it's funny, and we're not going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about, hey, have you ever tried to maintain your relationship with Christ? Trying to maintain your relationship with Christ probably, and I'm going to go here one last time, probably looks like maintaining your weight. But in that relationship with Christ, there there's always has to be tweaks. There always has to be changes. There always has to be adjustments. Hey, life, life is full of adjustments. My spiritual life is full of adjustments. How am I going to be able to adjust to what God is speaking to me in this season? You've maybe heard the quote, adapt or die, right? right? Dinosaurs, they couldn't adapt. They weren't able to change. Dinosaurs aren't around anymore. We don't want to be like dinosaurs. We want to be in an ever-growing, ever-moving-forward relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the way he's designed this relationship for us. And hopefully, because now this is like the third week of the year, maybe, just, just maybe, we'll, we'll participate in this and, 
and think differently about it. Because like if this was the first Sunday of the year, <clears throat> you'd probably ignore everything I'm saying because you have your New Year's resolution. Or you'd have your word for the year. And you probably wouldn't listen to a word that I'm saying this morning because you'd like, I, I figured it out. This New Year's resolution is really going to stick. This word for the year is really going to work this time. Now you're at the third week, and now you can't even remember what your New Year's resolution was. Now you're thinking about, you, you can't even remember what your word of the year. You're under like your fourth word of the year, and it still hasn't worked. But now, now maybe we'll listen to these things. And maybe I'll get off of my own New Year's resolution or word of the year or all that I'm going to accomplish this year. And maybe I'll get back to where I really need to be and say, how am I going to be devoted to Christ? How am I going to be devoted to what he has called me to do? How am I going to be devoted to hearing his voice and then putting those things into action? And this time of year is a great time of year to speak about vision and a life of devotion. But we have to, a life of devotion, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your family? What does it mean to your career? What does it mean, most importantly, to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Think of it this way. What if you were, what if you were devoted, I mean really devoted, to one thing, whatever that is right now in your mind, to one thing all year long? All year long. Or break it down into smaller increments. What if you were devoted to just one thing for the next 30 days? Or the next 60 days? Or the next 90 days? Or in a spiritual sense, because that's why we're all here. What if you were devoted to God and to Christ and all that he has for you in this upcoming year? What would your life look like on December 31st, 2024, if we were able to devote our lives and everything to his word and his plan? Would your life be different than it is now? Probably would be. And sometimes we have to make adjustments. We have to make changes. So th this year of 2024, this might be for you the year to make an adjustment. It might be the year for you to be devoted to the things of Christ. It might be the year for you to come to church on a regular basis, to be committed to coming to church. Maybe it's not this church. I mean, Pastor Matt probably not might say, I don't really care where you go to church. I mean, as long as it's a Bible-believing church, but you need to get into a church. Maybe this is the year you start to serve. Maybe this is the year... You attend a life group. Maybe this is the year you start to tithe. Maybe this is the year you open up your Bible and your spiritual life doesn't consist of just an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Maybe this is the year wherever you're at with Christ. And it doesn't matter where you're at in that process. But maybe this is the year to take a step forward. And this question of devotion, you know, we're in the middle of vision month, and we're going to talk about the vision of the church a lot. But when you get right down to it, what is the vision of our church? The vision of our church is raising up 
a generation of game changers. Everything we do around here is raising up a generation of game changers. Well, who's that talking to? That's about you. That's, that's about me. And this question of devotion isn't, boy, is God devoted to me? I don't have time to explain it this morning, but God is devoted to you. God is devoted to you. But the question is, are we devoted to God? And I'll give you one other statement, I guess, that, that are, are you devoted to yourself? Because being, being devoted to God also means being devoted to yourself and understanding, one, of, of God's devotion to you, which means God loves you. God has a plan for you. And it's a great plan. And I said because so many times we go through life and we think God is somehow attending to other business, attending to other things. No, no. The things he's attending to are you. Every minute, every second of every day. But we, as sons and daughters of Christ, we need to be devoted to ourselves. Am I going to be devoted to get out of this life everything that Christ has put inside me. That, that's the question of devotion. And this morning, the title of my message today, if you've probably figured this out, is Living a Devoted Life. Living a Devoted Life. And I believe that one of the great mistakes, one of the great mistakes that we have as people is we think we have time. We think we have time. There's maybe a group of people here this morning that are listening to what I'm saying, and I'm making complete sense. And you're saying, man, I would love to be devoted. I would love to do what Pastor Mike's talking about up there. But right now, I just don't have time. I'll do it later. The one thing that you don't have enough of in this life is time. The one commodity that you can't get more of that you can't increase is time. You can spend your time and invest your time more wisely, but you can't get any more of it. And you may have another 50 years. I don't know, but, but neither do you. Don't put these things off. Hey, in some ways, the rest of your life depends on it. The rest of your life depends on what are you going to be devoted to. And I know when I talk about these things, it sounds like a daunting task, that you have to be perfect. And if you don't have everything right, just you might as well just quit. Or if it's not the perfect time, I'm going to wait for the perfect time. There will never, ever be any perfect time. We are not striving for perfection. We're striving for a relationship. We're never going to meet, get perfection. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. You're never going to arrive at this level of perfection. And I'm going to give you a sports analogy because if you know me, I always got a sports analogy in there. Anybody heard of Vince Lombardi? Most people have heard of Vince Lombardi. 
and in honor of, unfortunately, the Packers losing last night. Somebody's clapping out there. I don't know about that. So, hey, I don't know. Those are my, my son-in-law is here today, and he's a huge Packers fan, so he's going to have a fight with somebody after service. <laughs> but Vince Lombardi is known, he's one of, known as one of the greatest football coaches of all time. And in his first team meeting with the Green Bay Packers, he was talking about perfection and excellence. And here's what he said to the team. He said, gentlemen, we are relentlessly going to chase perfection, knowing full well we will never catch it because nothing is perfect. But we are going to relentlessly chase it because in the process, we will catch excellence. He then came up right up to the front row with a, within a foot of their face, and he said, I am not remotely interested in just being good. For your life, listen to me, you need to listen to this one, you shouldn't be remotely interested in just being good, just being average, just being status quo. That's not my opinion. That, that, that's what the Bible says. If you're accepting average or good, here's my entire point. Well, what you're doing is you are accepting a life lesser than what God has designed for you. Does that make sense? If we just accept what happens sometimes to us, we're accepting what is less than what your creator has designed for you. Point number one, the time to be devoted is now. The time to be devoted is now. When is God working in your life? Now. And I know some, when I say these things, it doesn't feel like it sometimes. But when is God working in your life now? When is God orchestrating your life behind the scenes for your good? Now. When is he speaking to you? Now. When is he leading you? Now. When is he directing you? Now. There's never a time where he's not working on your behalf. That's why we need to be devoted to our lives. We need to be devoted to our callings. We needed to be devoted to our relationship with Christ, with God, with your family, with your marriage. This is a life of devotion. And I know this sounds foreign to some because we just want average, just want to get by. But in life, we have to be risk takers. We have to live life with a growth mindset. And this isn't self-help. This is a growth mindset. This is a plan for your life. We have to have a supernatural confidence in what the Bible says and how Jesus views us. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Jeremiah 1.5, and I want to share some scriptures that will back up what I'm saying here. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. 
2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, cell, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is talking about a life of devotion. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable, acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, let him walk. And lastly, John 15, 16, and somebody needs to hear this one this morning. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask, in the in the, ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You know what I say to all that? Wow. Wow. And I just read four or five scriptures. If we could really get a hold of those four or five scriptures, man, man that, that, that'll blow your mind. Matter of fact, you can read those four or five scriptures and you, you think to yourself, is, is that even really possible? Is that true? I mean, sure, I believe it for other people, but that can't be for me. That is for you. God is devoted to you. Point number two, the time for action is now. Hey, the time to be devoted is now. And I know, you know, we have a spiritual saying as Christians that says, hey, it's, it's all in God's timing. It's all in God's timing. Well, that is true. That is true. It is all in God's timing. But it's also true that the time for you to act the time for you to be devoted is now. The time for you to live with a holy expectation that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do is now. It's now. God is always working. And, and I know sometimes there's another saying we say, we say sometimes when, when we don't understand what's going on. We say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have all these questions. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this and that, and why not then? Why not now? Anybody think that? Don't raise your hand. It's fine. But I, I'm, I'm going to bet that people have thought that before. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. Well, here's my thought. Number one, when you get to heaven, you ain't going to have any questions. If you have questions you're probably in trouble because you probably ain't in heaven if you got questions. 
But secondly, if there is a chance for questions in heaven, I'm assuming Jesus is probably going to answer those questions, all of our questions, and say, I gave you the answer. You weren't listening. I was there. You weren't. I tried to send you the answer, but you had your own answer. The question, again, is not, is not, is God devoted to us? The question is not, is God working behind the scenes? The question is, does not, is not, does God have a plan for our life? The question is, where are we? The question is, are we willing to be devoted? Are we willing to jump in? Are we willing to go deeper? In 2024, are you willing to be more devoted to Christ than you were in 2023? That's the question. Are we able to go deeper? And the Bible talks about the rivers of life in multiple scriptures, in both the New and the Old Testament. And the references of the rivers of life signifies the flow of God's Spirit taking us deeper and deeper and deeper until he has full control. And really what a life of devotion is, is a life of relinquishing control into him. It's stepping in that river deeper and deeper and deeper. We don't have to get, uh, we don't have to get a whole lot of things right in life. But the things that are talking about devotion to Christ, our relationship with Christ, those are the things that we need to get right. I'll, I'll give you, I don't know, some of you may know my background, some of you don't, and I'm, in regards to my career-related background. So I haven't always been a pastor. I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> but for the first 15 years of my career, I had a corporate job. I worked at Anheuser-Busch. And then I left Anheuser-Busch to be a pastor at a different church. And then I'm giving you a speedy timeline here. And I left that church to work at a, a humanitarian aid missions organization. And, then, and then, I, then I came back to this church as a pastor. And I do some other things. I own a small business. I do lots of things. And I say that because from the outside looking in, most people that know me and know that all that I've done and all that I've been involved in think, man, that Mike, he is, he is just, he is, he's a crazy entrepreneur. Now, if you really know me, I am not an entrepreneur at all. I, I don't even like change. I like consistency. I'm, I like black and white. There is no gray in my world. And actually, there shouldn't be in in yours either. You people that are gray, you can't even, you can't even agree on how to spell gray, G-R-A-Y or G-R-E-Y. So that should like, that should, that should account for something. Sorry, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> but from the outside looking in, people think, man, Mike is just this crazy serial entrepreneur. And he's got all these ideas, and he's got all these plans, and, and he just orchestrated the, this, this streamline effect of just crazy things that have just worked out, and he, he, he's planned this all along. 
I got news for you. <laughs> and you can ask my wife. I ain't playing any of this. Any of this. I mean, when I, when I left Anheuser-Busch at the time, I'm telling you what, people thought I had lost my mind. And so did I, kind of. <laughs> but, and I can't even, I, if I told you all that what happened during that season, even up to now as I'm just trying to follow Christ, you'd be like, I don't know that I can talk to that guy because he's making half of these stories up. But here's, here, here's what I think. Here, here's what I think has worked out for me, that for some reason, some supernatural reason, I've been able to be devoted enough to Christ to follow him even when it didn't make sense. I, I look back at the, th- the changes that have gone, the tweaks, the adjustment of my life, and I'm like, man, that doesn't make sense. It, some of them don't even make sense to me now. And again, have I been devoted perfectly? No. Have I been devoted to Christ most of the time? Probably not. Before you think I'm not very spiritual, who has? Right? Who has? But there's been a few times in my life where I've been devoted enough to say yes, even when it doesn't make sense. So hopefully some of you will embark this year on this year of devotion, and I'm telling you right now, mark my words, you're going to start in that direction, and pretty, it's not going to take you very long. You're going to get into a situation, and you say, I think God is leading me this way. I think God is directing me here. I think God has told me to do this, and it doesn't make any sense. And as a matter of fact, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't make sense, right? Some of us are upset with our lives the way they've been so far. You know what's screwed up about those, some of our lives in those situations? It makes sense. It makes sense to us in a worldly way. But we need to connect with God in a spiritual way and be devoted to him. Disclaimer, huge disclaimer here. Don't, don't quit your job. And go into the ministry. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and this is the Message Bible. I, Simon Peter, am a servant and, po- and apostle of Jesus Christ. I write this to you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours. All due to our God's straight dealing and the intervention of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you many times over as you deepen in your experience with God and Jesus, our master. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we've ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participate in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. That's the life we have available to us. Back to the rivers of living water, and again, there's many places in the Bible 
to talk about this, but we're going to spend a little bit of time here in Ezekiel 47, and Ezekiel has a vision of the healing waters. And again, the water in the Bible is usually generally a type of spirit, whether it's in reference to the well of the living water in John 4 or the rivers of living water in John 7. But in Ezekiel's vision, we see a river flowing out of the temple, just as the rivers of living water that would flow out of us if we have a life of devotion. Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with his line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. So they're walking through the waters here. The waters came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, came up to my waist. And he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Verse 6, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Now, just for a pause right there, God is always at work around us. And sometimes he's asking us that, that question, that question, have you seen this? Have you seen what I am doing? Have you seen what I am orchestrating? Do you understand what's happening here? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river toward the eastern region, toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish, because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the rivers go. Man, to me, that's powerful. That's jumping in to the river. That's a life of full devotion. Hey, we take a step, and it's ankle deep. We take another step, and it's knee deep. It's waist deep. We keep going, and it's over our head. We're releasing full control to Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that we can walk. We can live, live in that river now, a life of full devotion. Ezekiel gives us a picture of walking steadily into that. We're to buy it eventually by his own strength. He cannot walk anymore. He's given his life over to the Spirit. Revelation 22, verse 1 and 5 says it this way. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. 
They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and forever. The river symbolizes the blessings of Christ. The tree of life suggests the abundant life. Everything that is necessary. The river of life contains everything that is necessary for us to fulfill our calling and our destiny. John 7, 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Last point, point number three. Jesus, and we've, we've hit this again, but I want to drive it home. Jesus is working in your life now. He is working in your life now. You're not waiting on him. He's not on a break. He's not on a vacation. He's not on a sabbatical. He's not taking the day off. He's not attending to other people. He's not attending to other businesses. He's attending to you. He's devoted to you. And when, when sometimes we, again, questions we ask, when I get to heaven, I'll be released of whatever <clears throat> I'm dealing with. <clears throat> that, that's a chronic illness we have. It's a chronic almost, it's just a chronic illness that we're always going back to. Hey, when I, I'll, I'll, when I get to heaven, all these problems will be released to me. No, no, now, yeah. now. All these problems can be released from you. Now you can step into the river. Now you can walk into your calling. Now you can have that life that God has always dreamed that you could have. We need to open up our spiritual eyes. Right? We have a Savior on our side. We have a Deliverer on our side. We have a Healer on our side. God is working now. Luke 19, 41, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when enemies will build an embarkment around you, Surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus was weeping for the people because they did not know when he visited them. Hey, in the times of Luke, the people had their answers. What did they do to the answer? They crucified him. And in many ways, maybe that's how we're living our lives right now. We have the answer, but we're dismissing it. We know what really to do, but it's too hard. He was in their presence, and he didn't, they didn't recognize it. Hey, just like our lives, right? I hate to think about this, but how many times have I been in the presence of God 
and he's moving in my life, and he's directing me and where I should go, and I don't recognize it. What have I missed? What has it cost me? Because it's cost me something. It's just not a, oh, I'll get it right next time. It's costly not to recognize Christ working in our lives. And again, the I've got time, the I've got time is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a mirage. Matter of fact, it's, it's a control tactic that we all use so we can keep full control. I'll get to that later. I, I've got time. It's one of the greatest tactics that the devil can use because it's deceiving us. That's really the only tactic the devil has, just deceive us, get us to focus on something else, get us away from a life of devotion, to be devoted on things of this world. And the greatest enemy of faith is fear. And the greatest enemy of a life of devotion is fear. We need to be devoted in 2024 to all that God has laid out for us, to all that God has planned for us. He's already planned it all out. He's already got the structure of the processes, but it's up to us. Are we just going to be okay with ankle deep? It's real easy to come in here on Sunday and just be ankle deep. Man, can we let that river of life overflow us, take full control? Pastor Guy, you can come up. You know, last thought, maybe. You know, in the garden, in Genesis chapter 2, there's the Garden of Eden. And in that garden, there are two trees. There are two trees that are the key to everything that follows in human history. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of knowledge. And the tree of knowledge is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was where the deception was, right? The apple was eaten. But here's the interesting fact that I think is part of the devil's deception is that God never intended for us to know evil. He never intended us to know evil. Here's what's even more interesting. He never intended for us to know good because it wasn't actually about, life's not about the tree of knowledge. Life's about the tree of life. Because the choice that we're making, the choice that we're making is not about the choice between good and evil. The choice is between life or death. That's the choice. Am I going to be devoted 
to a life of Christ, that's where we all want to be. And I know it's, it's, it's good to talk about, you know, great acts of faith. And faith is important, super important, don't get me wrong. But here's what I would submit you this morning. And if you don't listen to anything I say, maybe just, just take this one last line. Because the, the way I look at it, God isn't really looking for great acts of faith. He is not looking for great acts of faith. He is not looking for you to muster up all the faith so that one day in the future you can make this great decision for Christ. He's not looking for great acts of faith. He's looking for one thing. He's looking for a life devoted to Him. If, if we can live that life devoted to him you'll just be using that mustard seed faith all the time and people will look at it man that man that woman man can you believe the faith they have and the person's going to be thinking all I know is I'm living a life of devotion if faith is a byproduct of a life of devotion, so be it. We are called to live a life of devotion.